This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Monday late afternoon, the 23rd of October. The year is 2023. This is Scoop Podcast Episode... 424. I will have plenty of notes and opinions, opinions to back up my information when I join Judd Zolgad and Phil Mackey Tuesday morning on Score North at 10 a.m. Plus, I'll be back with them at some point on Thursday. So this will be interviews only. We begin with the owner of the Wolves and Lynx. Heck, as I was recording this conversation, the news broke that Jada McDaniels and the Wolves had agreed to a contract extension. But there's some other news Type nuggets here passed along by Glenn Taylor. In fact, he said he thinks that there will be another extension on these Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez transactional talks. When will Mark and Alex become the majority owners? It looks like there will be another deadline pushed back. So it may be like July or maybe the start of next season, not this season. But anyway, the Wolves open up their season Wednesday in Toronto. The home opener Saturday against Jimmy Butler and Miami. Here is a season preview with Glenn Taylor. Glenn, always appreciate the time. Year 35 of Wolves basketball, lots of excitement. In your mind, what will make this year a success? Well, I think we have to get off to a good start, show our fans that we have a very competitive team, and I think it helps if you start the season by uh, winning certainly at home and then being competitive on the road uh, every game. So I think you start. I think uh, then you got to continue it through the year, hope that you don't have injuries that uh, change the course. Find yourself at the end of the year in the top few teams. And I don't know what might be the appropriate, but say the top four or five teams. But you're included in that top echelon of teams. Get yourself in in that position so when you go into the playoff that you have a chance to go all the way. Do you feel good about the chances of all that happening? This is presuming health, but presuming health, do you like the chances of finishing, let's say, top four in the Western Conference, thus then having home court advantage in the first round and giving yourself I, the best opportunity to win at least one series? I do. i just thinking, you look at our personnel, and I'm, you know, I thought we had a pretty good uh, bench last year, but I think they've made an improvement on that, and by keeping uh, the, some of those players, resigning some of those players, and having, you know, like their uh, additional year of working together, um, helps us uh, keep uh, ten or twelve really good players on the court at any time. Do you sense there's a lot of buzz? Now, there was a lot of buzz at this time last year, right, entering game one of Rudy Gobert in a Wolves uniform, but do you sense like there's just a lot of people excited about the start of this season? I think there is, but uh, 
I, it's like uh, we, we had the buzz last year, but we didn't produce at the beginning of the season, and I think that just left a question mark in a lot of our fans' uh, you know thoughts about the team. And it took us it took us a while to get back there and, and get ourselves at least in contention for the playoffs. Another thing that sapped a lot of that buzz was all those losses to the bottom teams of the league. Like, that has to change. I mean, that's stating the obvious, Glenn, right? But, like, that has to change this year. Well, I think, you know, I, I talked to the coach about that. I says that I think that's leadership, and leadership comes not only from veteran players on the team, but it comes from your coaching staff and your support staff. So I said that if we're going to, if we're going to change it, it's got to go all the way through the organization. And, and uh, you know, and he agreed. And he says, and he would address it. And, and I and I have talked to him enough. I think he has. And, and, uh, and I'm saying, let's see the results. How is that relationship with Chris? Like, can he ever tell you no? Like, does he always agree with you? Or can there be some healthy back and forth? No, I think... My relationship with all my managers, including the coaches, that uh, I want their input. I mean, I challenge them with things, and they disagree with me, and they tell me they disagree, and I don't. I'm not offended by that. I think they know that's just the way I am. I'm going to throw everything out there I can think of. Not all of it's going to stick, and that's okay with me. So, now Chris is not afraid to say why he does certain things, and and I say, well, why didn't you do this? Seems like this would have been a better one, and he generally has a pretty good rationale as to why he did it, and I hadn't thought of it, and and uh, so, you know, I say I agree with you. Are the technicals a thing of the past? Like you guys can't lead the league in technicals again this year. Well, let's put it this way: they better be. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd like to think that goes back to leadership, the maturation. That you know, that's one thing I would think has been a point of emphasis this entire training camp preseason that there has to be this maturity when things go wrong within a game. I know that the coaches talk to the players about that, and we have a thing that we call business of basketball and where I meet with the players and talk about it, and and it is something that I brought up too, and I kind of said it the same same way that you expanded it. It says we will not be a championship team. We will not be one of the elite teams if we have the technicals that we had in the past. I said the two just don't work together. Glenn, when I say 35 years of Wolves basketball, you came aboard, what was it, August of 1994? So what, about, I'll do the math, 29 years ago? So when we think about your 29 years, 35 years of Wolves basketball, I guess what what comes to mind? Well, I think it's always trying to get to the championship. So the year that we got down to the finals and stuff like that, I think was a, you know, a great time for our fans and for all of us. And so I think that always just sticks out as the most fun time. And there, therefore, that's what we're after hit this again. And, you know, it doesn't sound very, very much like, uh, just getting up there at that level, you know, once or twice, but, uh, but there's 30 teams and if each team got up there once, it's going to be 30 years. And I've been in this business, 29 of those. So, I mean, proportionally, that's the way it goes is that not many teams get up there and, and 
it's really special if you can. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even asking to get all the way to the Western Conference Finals. That would be great. Or to ultimately hoist the Larry O'Brien Trophy. That sounds great. I'm just waiting for you guys. It's been 19 years now, right? It's time to move on past the first round. I saw the Twins do it. Like, I just saw the Gopher football team win in Iowa, where they never win, right? So, things can happen. (laughs) It's now time for you guys to win a playoff series. Well, I think that'd be wonderful. Can you guys be both a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense last year, top 10 defense? Can you see the offense moving forward this year? Yeah, they've got to make some changes, as as you uh, would have observed the same as I did uh, when we get movement in our offense, we are better. And for some reason, we do it sometimes for one or two or three quarters. But very seldom do 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 we do it the whole game. We had a few games like that when we just moved the ball and did well, and we were outstanding. And uh, that's what they're going to have to do. And, and that's why it's important, I think, to have a strong bench to bring in if you see that uh, the players aren't hustling like they should be, that somebody else that's sitting on the bench will love to have that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, two of those players were brought in this summer, Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., also a part of your summer. You re-sign Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you re-sign Nas Reed, you extend Anthony Edwards. Like, did the summer go just as you guys had planned? Like, did anything go haywire at all this summer? I mean, to me, it looks like you had a very productive summer. No, we had a plan, and, and pretty much uh, uh, Tim is, was able to fulfill the plan as uh, was projected and brought in the, the type of players that he needed. I really, really like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Was there ever any doubt once free agency started about you guys being able to retain him? Like, was he weighing offers? Was it tough to convince him to come back? No, it, was, it wasn't. He, uh, we wanted him back, and he wanted to come back, so we were able to negotiate that on a fairly friendly basis. Then I suppose on Nas, I mean, you got him done before he even hit the open market. I guess that was the key, right? Because if he had gotten to the open market, God knows what he would have been offered. Well, Nas, uh, what happened there is that uh, uh, the longer we waited, his value kept going up because he was playing really well and and, uh, and things. But on the other hand, he always said that he wanted to stay here. So, again, uh, we maybe, you know, waited a little longer, paid a little bit more than we first anticipated. But uh, there was no question we wanted him back and he wanted to be here. So, I mean, those are wonderful ways to negotiate with players. And I suppose on Anthony Edwards, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of negotiation there, right? Like, you always knew he was a max player. We knew that, and and I think uh, that was pretty uh, a basic thing because you looked at the other players that received the same rewards. Now, if he does make All-NBA, though, which he's fully capable. I mean, he looks so locked in, Glenn, right? I mean, the price goes up if he makes All-NBA team. Well, I think it's something we put in the the contract to do it. Um, Very few players can get there and if he has the ability to get there I mean people are going to come to watch him which gives us ticket sales did you get excited by watching him play for team USA this summer I mean that's where I'm so confident he's going to have a good year based on the way he played this summer well he just showed so much leadership I thought and it was I think just a giant step because he's uh, playing with other elite players and if uh, 
if they see him as a leader, certainly uh, the rest of the league will. Where does he need to get better to make that ascension to All-NBA? Like, to me, like shot selection, I think shot selection still needs a little bit of work. What comes to mind for you where he needs to get better? Well, I I think we're working, still working on defense. I think that he's got the speed and the strength and stuff to uh, uh, defend elite players, and I think we're going to expect him to do that. Uh, we hope to sign Jaden, and, and that's something that we've asked Jaden to do, and he does it. Uh, and But you'd still ask him to improve. They're young men, and I think they can. And then uh, uh, shot selection, of course. Uh, he, he's uh, been in the league far enough. He knows how other people are going to guard him, and he's got to take advantage of that. On Jaden, the deadline is just a few hours away. Can a deal get done today? I think so. Good. Okay, so there's been progress because you talked with my good buddy David Shama the other day, and it sounded like from what David passed along that it wouldn't get done today. I would say we made progress today. That's fantastic. So how excited are you by saying that, Glenn? Well, I'm excited because I think that uh, he's got unique skills that's a little different than the other players. He he can play defense for sure on three different positions and maybe five, you know, and I think that's good. And I think that he's gotten confidence in his shooting. And, and so if the other guys are our top scorers are – uh, struggling a little bit, uh, he sure in a, has the ability to step in and change it. He, the things that he can do, the corner shot and his taking it to the basket uh, is unique because of his length of his arms and his body and stuff like that. So I think he's a little different than the other players. Therefore, he's a, a great team member. Yeah, I mean, I only thought, that maybe it would go until next summer after the Spurs gave Devin Vassell, who's a good player, but that was five years, $135 million. So I'm thinking if you're Jaden, you can make a case for that deal or more. So I thought that might complicate the negotiations. It did. But you guys just said, hey, we got to get this deal done, that if you let them get the restricted free agency next summer, like some team could write up a crazy offer sheet, right? So you guys could have matched, but it may not have been on your terms. Well, our preference was to sign him to show him that he's a valuable member of this team and in, in, in the long run, that this is not a one-year deal. This is a long-term deal. We like him. He's a good player. We wanted to get it done. I know Tim put it as, you know, he had a lot of priorities, but this was one of them. Is it a five-year in terms of length? Like, were you willing to go to the full five years? Yes. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. Is his calf injury doing okay? Like, will he play Wednesday night? I don't think we know for sure. We're hopeful. Okay, but even if he doesn't play Wednesday, it seems like it's a short-term injury. This isn't a, you know, Carl Anthony Towns-type calf injury? That's what our uh, medical staff told us. Speaking of Cat, do you sense that he's uber-motivated? He's been pretty quiet ever since he made headlines in the summer on those podcasts, but He's been pretty quiet training camp through the preseason. Do you sense he's just uber locked in right now? It seems that way. I I see the same things that you just uh, uh, talked about, that he's very serious. He seems to uh, want to prove his worth. And, I mean, he's a high-paid player. He's an elite player. And I think he's really concentrating on that. I think he's concentrating on getting this team into the – 
high into the finals. What about a full year of Mike Conley Jr.? How big of a difference can that be? I mean, to me, like, you know, we've said it before, Glenn, he's the adult in the room, but I just think a full year. Hopefully he stays healthy, but a full year of Mike Conley Jr., that can be a big difference maker. Well, I think it's it's not only Mike, but it's what Mike brings to the other guys. I mean, it's what he can do for Rudy and stuff like that. He knows how to play and help Rudy to be a better player and stuff like that. So, I mean, you extend his worth uh, not only through what you see him doing directly, but indirectly, setting up plays, passing to the right guy at the right time and stuff like that, making it easier for the other guys. Uh, he's just special that way. And then it's just just talking to him and how he talks to the other players, is, you know, he gives them confidence. Can you re-sign him? next summer like i'm wondering now with this Jaden contract in fact i just got to notice glenn five years 136 million so you're making this big investment in Jaden. he's earned it but can you keep this full core together well we'll wait till next year <laughs> i'm just working on this year right now yeah well and kyle anderson's a free agent too so yeah, you think about yeah. what well, next I, year uh, could look like right with the new rules and the aprons be, and all that we better be pretty good this year <laughs> <laughs> now, is there anything? Are there any no trade clauses or anything fancy about the Jaden contract? Is it just seven no, percent no. annual raises? It's just a standard contract, a high standard contract. Yeah, but I mean, he's earned it. I mean, like yeah. he should have been all defensive team last year, right? So you guys think he's one of the ten best defensive players in the game? I think he is, right? And to me, there's well, more he, offensive game to unearth. I think because he can guard different positions and do well. I mean, he. His long arms and his quickness and stuff like that, and he's he's not afraid to get in people's face. And and I think you know he's he doesn't look like he's tough, but he's got kind of a tough competitive spirit. So how did it change? Just one more on this one, Glenn. So like in the last like day, like Sunday into today, is that when it all changed? Where it looked like this thing could get to the finish line? Well. It changed. I mean, we they, we we got him to come into what we think is the, a fair value. Yeah, good. I mean, if he wanted $30 million a year, I understand it, but it's a negotiation, so I'm glad you guys got him to come down. How is the synergy with – you brought up Tim Connolly's name, Glenn. How's the synergy with Tim? Like, you and Tim have a great relationship? Yeah, well, we communicate quite often. <laughs> I always enjoy it. He's a just a very likable person, but uh I mean he's very frank in what he wants and and uh so he makes sure that he tells me what he's planning on doing and and uh he always says uh, I want your input and I don't know if it's helpful or not, but I give it to him. Well, I would hope he wants your input. You're the boss. <laughs> well, but there's a better reason. If I know what I'm talking about, that's even more and more. Yeah, although what's that fine line of you've been around the game forever, so you know plenty, but you're not like in the belly of the beast 24-7 you know, like I mean, Tim is. So, like, what's that balancing act of wanting to share your opinion but knowing that, you know, Tim and, you know, these guys, they know, just frankly, Glenn, they probably know more than you, right? Because you have so many other business, you know, ventures and, and you're, you know, being distracted well, in, in they, other ways. It, they know the players much better. I mean, they, I, they, they're closer to the players. They've been around the league. They know the 
oppositions and stuff like that, how they play and they keep track of all that. I watch all the games and I can see it too and I can talk about the highlights. But I think what they're really good is that they, they look for the secondary things that are important, some defensive uh, screens, different things that maybe aren't quite as uh, obvious to the casual uh, observer. So, I mean, these guys are very helpful, and they know the type of play that might work against the team and uh, the type of player that might be more effective and stuff like that. And that's very valuable because uh, those are the things we got to improve upon if we're going to beat the, the, the teams that we're better on. So uh, my expectation is that they are able to pass that knowledge on to the players this year. Is it at all emotional right now, Glenn? I mean, if all goes as planned, I guess this would be your last opening night this week as majority owner. Well, it's not emotional for me. Um, I like the team. I observe it. I I can't see me not being a big fan of the Timberwolves. Uh, And under all circumstances, I'll have ownership, so. And, I mean, it's still full steam ahead with Mark, with Alex. Everything is still on pace here to get done. What? December or March? Yeah, yeah, I mean, right now I'm expected to run the team, and I do, and I work, I'm, work with a coach. I work with Tim, and I work with the, the business people and stuff like that, but that's my responsibility because I still have the most of the ownership and stuff like that. When they get in a position to take over that those responsibilities, which will probably be within the next year for sure, uh, then uh, I'll still be part of the ownership, but we'll see how much I participate. Got it. I mean, will you have to push back the deadline again potentially, or will they make this final payment, what is it, March? They have to let you know by December they make the final payment in March? I think they'll push back. Okay. But you still have confidence, even with a pushback, that they'll find no, a way to yeah, get this I mean, done. I ask them, are they set? And they got everything, and they said they do. So, I mean, I take them for their word. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, it doesn't make much difference to me if it's December, March, or July. You know, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. We're pretty well set for this year. So, all the decisions are sort of made for this year. So, and I participated in all those. What else is important for Wolves fans to know, Glenn, as we get ready for Wednesday, what should be a very exciting season? What else is important for fans to know? Well, I think it's the things that I talked about, that I think that our starting five is an awful good five. Uh, We recognize that other teams have put together some really good starting fives also, but I think the support teams, the next seven players on your bench, I think we probably will be right up there with everybody, maybe ahead of most of them in that. So that means that if we can uh, get off to a good start in in each game, there's no reason that we can't uh, win by far a high percent of the games, you know, the home games, the weaker teams, and then be competitive against the other best teams and win our share. Briefly on the Lynx, how big of an offseason will this be for the Lynx? I mean, Cheryl will have some cap space to work with, right? Well, she's got lots of room to work with. I think uh, 
we've just talked a little bit. I'm not sure where we're going to go with it exactly yet, just because of who's available out there. I don't think there's a lot of people that are available that are going to change the team. So she's got to kind of build it around a couple of the players that she already has. Well, that's okay. I mean, you can build around. You got Kayla McBride re-signed, so that was a big deal, yep, keeping her off the important. market. Right, so you have Kayla, you have Diamond, you have Nafisa. That's a pretty good core to build around. She, she, Yeah, but she needs the bench a little bit stronger, and, and so she's got to find the right players. Well, and I also worry about these super teams. Like, Vegas isn't slowing down, right? And New York probably isn't going to slow down either. No, no, but... Uh... Cheryl's a good coach. Mm-hmm. She's a good uh, looking for for prospects, so I trust her. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. I mean, I've told you this before, Glenn. I'm surprised that she didn't maybe pursue at some point maybe coaching the men because I just think she's a brilliant tactician. Like X's and O's wise, she is so good that I think X's and O's, it would translate to the men's game if she wanted to go that route. So I think you're very fortunate to keep her as long as you can. Well, she's she seems to like it here, and I like her, so that's <laughs> good. I like it. Glenn, thank you so much. Enjoy Wednesday yep. night. Enjoy the home opener on Saturday, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Next summer will be very, very fascinating. This core, in all likelihood, including Mike Conley Jr., Kyle Anderson, even Jordan McLaughlin, all unrestricted free agents next summer. It's hard to see how this core, now, hey, maybe this core makes a deep run, Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals. And then at that point, hey, anything could happen. But it looks like it's going to be really hard for this core to stay together a year from now. So enjoy this ride. This should be a very fun season. Enjoy this ride. While it lasts. All right, let's transition. A couple Fridays ago, I was over at Target Field, wrap up interviews with Derek Falvey and Rocco Baldelli. Let's begin with the Twins' president of operations. The Red Sox came calling like in 2020. He was not interested then. He's not interested now. Derek Falvey, comfortable here in Minnesota. In fact, I would not be shocked if Derek Falvey signs a contract extension before next season starts. Here is a season wrap up conversation with Derek Falvey. Derek, let's start big picture. When you consider three playoff wins, like I look at the Dodgers, the Orioles, the Rays, the Brewers, the Marlins, the Jays, they didn't win one playoff game. Big picture, there's so much to be proud of. Yeah, it's still stinging a little bit. You know, I think the further you get away from it, the more you appreciate what we've accomplished uh, and, and gotten to this point. A lot of growth for a lot of young players. To go 3-3 three and three at a postseason, I know it's been a long time for this organization and these fans. They were incredible in this ballpark. They helped us get there. I hope everyone's excited about what this means for the build for the future for guys that are going to be back there and do it again. The small picture of this week, 1-1. You've got Sonny Gray on the mound. We spoke Tuesday morning. 
Is that where the disappointment is, that everything's set up so brilliantly for you guys, then you're not even playing a game five here tonight? Yeah, there, there's something to be said about when you come home 1-1, you got a guy on the mound. This baseball, you know, they, play, they put good swings on some pitches. Sonny didn't throw the ball as well as he would have liked. Certainly he'd be the first to say that. You know, at the end of the day, we, we competed, and we competed with the seven-time ALCS participant and, and last year's World Series champion. Uh, we're not satisfied by any means, but we feel like we've got a lot of things we can build off of uh, that hopefully will take us into next year. How much did the swing and miss bug you Tuesday, Wednesday, and we saw it all year? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I look at that, and certainly you see it, and it's a challenge. Um, you know, you can look at it this postseason. You're still to, – to win games, you got to hit homers, you know, at the end of the day, and you got to hit for slug. And ultimately the teams that have actually struck out less game-to-game uh, game have had a below 500 record. So we're not hunting just that. I know that's a challenge. You know, watching those Phillies games the last few nights and bopping and, and getting to the next round – you got to find a way to do both, and, and ultimately we feel like our pitching kept us in games, held us there, and our, our hitting came through at the right spots at the right times. We didn't come through all the way, and, and we look to that for next year. You brought up the Phillies. I mean, I think about the Braves. I mean, how historic their offense was all year. Then look at the small sample size of that series against Philadelphia. Yeah, it's unique nature of playoff baseball, which makes it fun too, right? For fans at home, there's always a chance. There's always a, you know, you got you got an opportunity. And at the end of the day, you know, we, we love being a part of it. We want to go further. You know, that's our focus. That's our goal. And ultimately, hopefully, we can get there. I think about the year that Buxton had, the year that Correa had, right? I mean, not a whole lot yeah. there, right? And you guys still accomplish what you did. Yeah, the regular season, you know, certainly we didn't have all guys clicking on all cylinders, as you just said. Two of those guys didn't have the regular seasons they wanted. I thought Carlos really showed up big in the playoffs and the way he went about it. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we hope to get Byron back, fully healthy, get him back, get him on the field. Because if you can add him to the likes of what Eddie Julian and Royce Lewis and some of these young guys did at the end of the season for us, it's a really exciting time to be a Twins fan going into 24. So what does this winter look like for Buck, I mean, does he need surgery? Is it just the knee? Is it more than the knee? Like, lay out what the next few months look like for Buck. Yeah, so certainly as we assess where he's at, you know, we'll go through a procedure here for him, um, get that done, and ultimately try and proceed, you know, through the offseason. Um, we'll, we'll address that at the right time. But, you know, he's in a, he's in a mentally in a good place about what he needs to do this offseason to get back on the field, uh, and we're going to work really hard to get him there. When you say procedure, so is that some sort of arthroscopic? So that's surgery for Byron? Yeah, there will be here in the short term, and we'll address that here today in full. Um, um, but it'll be a, a procedure that'll take care of something that we hope will really put him back on track. All right. And how impressive that he fought and at least was able to get in game four. Yeah, it's, it's all part of, you know, dealing with the volume, you know, and, and the tendonitis that he dealt with. We were very upfront about that through the course of the process, trying to manage that, certainly manage it in the DH role, manage it, you know, with not as much time in the field. Uh, but it's been something that's been sore for him. You know, certainly he, he did a great job the last month of, the, of this process to try and keep himself active, keep himself ready. And it was a really cool experience the the night to see him walk out there and give ourselves a shot you know with that but uh, he's a guy that we're going to bet on he's still going to be a part of our future certainly going to be a big part of 2024 speaking of the future how comfortable are you here I mean do you see yourself here for as long as Joe will have you here <laughs> yeah that's my goal you know I, I I feel very blessed to be a part of this community my family has made home here um, we love it here uh, and certainly you know for me it's been it's been a great experience to build this team into hopefully what we think will be a, a really competitive team for a really long time you have a sense of what you need this winter how active you'll be this winter? 
That's so early in the process on that, trying to figure out exactly where our team is, obviously health conversations. Uh, you just start to scratch the surface on free agency and things like that. Our, our group has been working really hard to prepare us for when it starts. Hopefully it was going to be after a game in the World Series. Um, but ultimately, you know, our guys have done a really nice job. I know that we'll continue to iterate on the roster, try and make it better. Uh, you know, the reality of any team is you never have the 26 coming back that you left with. That's just, that's just baseball. Um, we'll have conversations about the guys that are gone. We'll have conversations about the guys that are already here. Hopefully find a way to be a better team in 24. I mean, I think about what the payroll could look like. Do you have a sense? Because the local TV revenue, which is a big chunk of change, I don't know what the heck that's going to look like moving forward. If it's streaming, if there is a local TV contract, but it's not Bally's anymore. So how does that impact the payroll? Yeah, it, it just leaves some uncertainty and certainly some conversations that we have to have with ownership and internally and where we are. Uh, we haven't gotten to that yet. You know, that's a, a conversation for a later date. But I do know when I look at that team and I look at who's on it right now and I think about the young players growing and developing – you know, some of it's going to have to create some opportunity for them You know, where you wouldn't necessarily sign a free agent in a spot where you need a young guy to go play and, and get better. And, and ultimately, we've been able to supplement in the right spots uh, along the way, but uh, we'll have that conversation at a later date. How many other guys will need some sort of procedure like Kirilov, maybe? Correa mentioned even post-game after Game 4 that something with his nose or something. So, like, how many guys need procedures? Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. You get to the end of a season. I, I, just, I shouldn't say it's funny, but you get to the end of a season and you're trying to assess everything. Some guys are dinged up, and they're not even talking about it, right, because they just want to fight through it. A lot of those things are just soreness, and rest and recovery will take care of it. There are some situations, like uh, in Carlos's case, uh, the deviated septum. It sounds like Ryan Jeffers has something similar, right? So just things that need to get done. Uh, the more significant on the baseball side, obviously Byron with the procedure there, and Alex Kirilov, who ended the season um, and, and couldn't finish through that, has been dealing with labrum issues you know, through the, the course of the second half of the year. Uh, he fought back. He got himself in a pretty good spot, was able to play, play good defense. But ultimately, when he started diving, you know, jammed it up a little bit more more uh, we do expect here that we will have a, a labor and procedure that will help uh, alleviate that you know something that can be fixed can be repaired and ultimately we get him back on track for next year in your seat how much are you just begging for Kirilov to play a full season yeah. Royce Lewis to play a full season you know how good these guys are can they just stay healthy yeah it's it's, it's always I remember the end of last year and not going back to, to that season but watching guys not perform at the end of the season because of health that's really hard because you have a vision for what that group could look like you know how talented they are you know how much they work behind the scenes and then ultimately to not have that realized it's a challenge but every year every team deals with it it's ups and downs you don't make excuses our guys are going to be prepared this offseason hopefully get through into next year and for a really healthy year. Is Royce a third baseman next year? Could he go back to center field at all? Well, we haven't talked about any of that uh, positional stuff for the future. Uh, there, Our focus really for him entirely was for him to become as, the good, as good a third baseman as he could become. Uh, we still think he has ability to play all over the field. That's just how dynamic an athlete he is. So that's part of the conversation. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we'll reset, think about our roster. We think we have some movable parts around the field, which is a really good thing for us and, and I think really helped us become as successful as we did this year was to have guys that could plug in a bunch of different places. And the more flexible we are, the better off we're going to be. How special is Royce? Well, you know, thinking back to the draft and, and bringing him in and watching him go through the minor leagues, I think the, the special part to him is just the way he goes about trying to get better every day, even through some of the most challenging times, you know, for coming back from ACL injuries and two of them and, and other injuries, hamstrings and others along the way. I think this guy just always does it with a smile. He's the type of energy you need in that clubhouse. He's still growing. He's still learning. I, I don't think we've seen the limit on him yet, and we certainly haven't. So it, it'll be fun to watch what happens the next few years.
years. The Polanco and Kepler options, to me, they're no-brainers. What about you? Yeah, I mean, obviously the time comes when we'll work through those decisions, but those two guys have played really well, uh, certainly, uh, in a, and they were huge parts, not just of the playoff group and, and otherwise, but just the way they played defensively, offensively, and, and what they've contributed over the last you know, more than seven years in, in that clubhouse. It's really been uh, a big part of our team. So we'll obviously have, we'll address those at the right time, but I think both of those guys are on really good tracks. Sonny Gray, his free agency, I mean, would you be comfortable giving him a three- or four-year deal from a physical standpoint, mental, everything? Can, can you look at giving him a multi-year deal? It may take three or at least four, maybe even, right, to get a deal done. Well, Sonny's earned this opportunity, and, you know, he said it the other day. I think two things I took away from his end-of-season comments, but also a private conversation he and I had, uh, was that he loves this place. He loves Minnesota. He, his family became Minnesotans, you know, over the last uh, couple of seasons in a really quick period of time. Um, you know, his boys are great. His wife's great. I mean, just a great family and, and the way he went about it. He pitched so well for us. We couldn't have asked for anything more out of him uh, ultimately over the last couple of a couple of regular seasons. And uh, he's been a key part of that group. Obviously, free agency is earned by players. And it's a right and it's an opportunity. I respect that like crazy. And I think that obviously he and his agent and his family need to decompress, you know. But the fact that he loves our environment, the fact that he loves our culture, is just a really good, uh, it feels good to us because we tried to create an environment where players want to be. Uh, the free agent process will take care of it, you know, ultimately for where everything shakes out. But uh, we'll certainly continue to have conversations with Sonny. When you look at the 40-man roster, like how much flexibility will you have? I mean, can you just lay it out for us? Well, it's, it's tricky. At the bottom of a 40-man every year, and this is a good problem to have, even though it is a problem, you feel like you have a lot of good players on your 40-man. Then you've got to talk about Rule 5 protection and who's going to be on it from the minor leagues. Some of those guys made their way onto the team this year already. But I would say that there's still some other players down there that we think are really going to be a big part of our future uh, and ultimately will be added. So it's going to be a tight roster, but that's a good thing because that means we have depth and good players. I'll leave it with this. The man to your left, Rocco. How would you analyze the job he did this year? I mean, just every year, just such a great partner on all things baseball, you know, and everything we do. We just work so hard every day together to try and figure out how to how to make this team the best it can be. And and Rock's, um, he's thinking about it. He's living it. He's breathing it. Uh, I remember during the time where he stepped away when he had his twins uh, for a little bit, you know, the conversations we were having during that time while he's watching and living and dying every pitch. Uh, I think he said it was harder to sit at home and watch that than actually be in the dugout some nights. So uh, that's the type of person you want as your partner, someone who cares. I think he's somebody who's going to put our players in the best position to be successful, to make them comfortable so they can be the best baseball players they can be. And I think we saw all that this year. And anticipate all the coaches being back? I do. You know, I, I think obviously um, when you have a good season, sometimes other teams come calling for different roles, and everyone in that room is 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 um, has earned an opportunity to have different conversations should they want going forward. But uh, that group really, I think, wants to be here, and we want them back. We transition from Falvey to manager Rocco Baldelli. Like Falvey, I would not be shocked if Rocco at some point, maybe not like right before the season, maybe it's a little bit later on, but. The Twins want Rocco here for a long time as their manager, so I would not be shocked at some point in the next year if Rocco Baldelli signs a contract extension. Here is my season wrap-up conversation with Twins manager Rocco Baldelli. Winning the division, 87 wins, right? Three playoff wins. Consider the teams that didn't even win one playoff game. So much to be proud of. Yeah, I'm I'm exceptionally proud of our group, Um, both as uh, I can look at down the line, the individuals that had great uh, seasons, great moments, uh, great introductions to the big leagues. Uh, the second half of the season as a team, the way we played was was really something. Um, we have uh, we have the leadership in this clubhouse. We have great starting pitching. 
We have some great young players coming in. Uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about right now. I, I know I, I get I get kind of fired up thinking about what's to come. But overall, I think it was a, a productive year and one that I think we can definitely build something off of. Is there still disappointment, though? We're sitting here, what, 38, 39, 40 hours after Game 4 ended. It was setting up nicely, right? I mean, Sonny Gray on the mound, Game 3 coming back here, right? You guys captured home field advantage. Is there disappointment looking small picture of this week? My face doesn't change much most of the time, so um, maybe no one can tell. But, yeah, you don't wake up feeling better the next day or, or the day after. You're still... We didn't plan on being finished, so we didn't go into these games against Houston thinking the season was about to end. We, we had a team playing great baseball uh, with, with a lot in front of us. That's the way we felt about it. So, yeah, you still are um, disappointed, but it's, it's hard not to be optimistic, and it's hard not to look at basically what we did and go, you know, it, I liked what I saw. I, I really did. I liked what I saw from our guys. And not just on the field, which was actually great. We had some some moments out there um, and some real, real good baseball being played. But in our clubhouse and what we have going forward, it, it gives me a good feeling inside. Are there certain things you can point to that flipped? I mean, all-star break, you guys were technically a half game back at Cleveland, and you run away with the division. Can you point to certain things that changed mid-July all the way to the end of the season? Yeah, I can definitely point to some things. I will say this. We played a hell of a schedule in the first half, which no one cares about, and that's that's okay. Like That's, that's up to us to navigate and to win regardless. Um, and that was a challenge, and we, we stood up to that challenge. We held up to playing a, a lot of the best teams in baseball in the first half. But then we start bringing up some of our young players at that point, and the Eddie Julians and the Matt Walners, and Royce Lewis, of course, comes up. Um, and that just does a lot for a lineup because those guys are they're already good, good or better major league players, major league hitters, and we inserted them, and I think they just made everyone kind of relax a little bit. Even the veterans, they, everyone kind of settled in, uh, and the lineup became so much more productive at that point. So I think the biggest thing we did was that our players took ownership of everything that went on this year, through the good, uh, the bad, everything in between. Our, our guys do a great job of looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, listen, when we have to do better, uh, we, we need to say it, and then we need to go do it. And um, our guys did that, and uh, we, we got better. We were a better team in the second half. That's what you want to see, and we were able to do it. Swing and miss. Is that a mirage? Is that a one-year thing? Are there things that you can point to and say, okay, we can work on this come Fort Myers? Like, it just it was a lot of swing and miss, especially this week. There is. In and of itself, that's not a reason why you win and lose ball games. Although a lot of people probably like to talk about that as, as uh, something we need to do uh, better. Um, there are probably certain situations in the game uh, here and there where you do need to just hit a ball, hit a ball on the barrel, put it into play, shoot it somewhere, do some things, make an adjustment. But truthfully, it, in and of itself, um, we get on base a lot. One way we get on base is by being in deep counts all the time. Uh, and so we don't want to give that up. We actually, you know, the Eddie Julians of the world who are on base all the time, that's how they do it. Uh, we have some other guys like that too. So um, is, it, uh, is it a small part of the discussion in my opinion? Yes. Is it a major part of the discussion? No, not really. What do you now know about being manager of the Twins that you didn't know the day you were hired? Oh, my God. The answer is more like what, you know, instead of what didn't I know, it's like what did I know, which was not very much. Um, uh, you, you surround yourself with uh, great players, but a great staff and great, you know, great people. 
um, and you feed off of them and you learn from them and you pay attention to all of them every day and they teach you they teach me how to do my job uh, every day when I show up and um, and that's it we set basic principles out there that we want to live by and that's part of my job that we we fulfill those on a daily basis other than that I try to learn from our guys more so than they're learning from me how much is this home I mean that you want to be here as long as Derek and Joe and Dave will have you yeah I love it here I mean I love managing this team um, we have an exceptional organization here. I love the way that we, we do things and the way that we operate. Um, I think it's a, it's a wonderful fit for me. doesn't mean anything, you know, I, but from, on my end, I, I do uh, uh, appreciate um, not just the organization too, but the community. And I got a chance to see some things in these playoffs. I mean, truly amazing. I mean, the, the way that our uh, fans and our crowd responded to what our players were doing, um, what a moment for, for everybody around here in Minnesota and beyond. Who's your offensive MVP? I'm really struggling to figure out who it is. Like, I think maybe Willie Castro, maybe Donovan Solano, but, like, I'm struggling to come up with who it is. I mean, if Royce Lewis had played more games, it would be Royce, but, like, I don't know. Like, who would it be from your standpoint? Yeah, it's a fascinating discussion. It really, really is. Um, there is there is not an answer to this. So whoever wins is going to – we're going to be probably hacking the votes up to the to the nearest half, half a vote, you know. Um, we had uh, so many guys – contribute in a, in a big way but but no one that that contributed more than really anybody else um i'm not picking an offensive mvp uh, our our offensive uh mvp you know you look around the clubhouse you're, you're gonna have to put probably a team picture up there on overall team mvp i mean one of your starting pitchers how nice is it to have pablo that you know opening day 2024 you can write pablo lopez's name down yeah yeah you can you can you can put it on there now there's there's not going to be much to to talk about in in that regard um uh, what an entrance that Pablo Lopez made to, to the, the Twin Cities. Uh, the guy is uh, one of the best pitchers in the world. Um, he's one of the best people you'll ever find, uh, and he's a true leader. We're lucky to have him, and we're going to watch him pitch for a long time out there. How much would you like to have Sonny Gray back? I would love to have Sonny Gray back. Uh, Sonny Gray set an amazing tone um, for our team and our pitchers um, of toughness, of, of determination, um, and he lives it. He lives it every day when he shows up here. Uh, he's another great leader, and uh, I would love to have him back, absolutely. What's the future hold in your mind for Buck? Like, outfield? I mean, he's going to have a procedure here, right? I mean, just can we find a way to have him play 100 games? I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's a lot of DHing, but, like, is there a way in 2024 for Buck to play 100 games? I think it's very realistic. I, I think um, this is a conversation everyone wants to have right now a couple days after the season ends. This is a conversation that's going to play out over the off season, where we have to get him – um, the right resources in front of him uh, and get him ready to go. Very realistic, though, that we see him out there for a significant amount of time. And one thing I know about Buck, he puts in uh, he puts in the work to get what he wants. So no one's going to be more uh, hardworking and pointed towards uh, getting back out on the field than he is. I'll leave you after this. Can you quantify what playoff experience means now that you've been in it three times? I mean, I see the Astros, right, seven consecutive ALCSs. Like, how much does that matter, playoff experience, now that a lot of these guys will have it moving forward? quantifying it is the hard part. I can't really quantify it, but I can look at you and say it matters a whole hell of a lot. And uh, you can see it with the guys that have been there before. Some of the things you see might be big and you might actually recognize it, but many of the things uh, related to this conversation, you can't see. It's just a feeling that these guys are going to have when they step on the field next. The next time we earn the opportunity to play in the playoffs, I think you're going to see a group that approaches things 
uh, a little bit different differently, probably a little more confidently, um, but we'll have a uh, an even better plan. And I thought we had a good plan this time around, but an even better plan next time around. Sonia, Todd, you got anything? Yeah, actually, I got a couple for you. Uh, you can just look right at him. Yep. Uh, so you've been a manager a couple of years now, right? Uh, what if, when, when you went into this, uh, when you went into this, what have you learned the most? And how has that changed the way you manage? Because everything stops with the manager, right? right. How has that changed your managing? Well, there are some things that have changed and some things that haven't changed. And uh, going into this role initially, um, I go in with certain values and certain expectations for our players. Uh, and then I try to, along with our staff, kind of live those on a daily basis and exhibit them. Um, uh, those haven't changed much. Um, respecting people, playing hard, uh, these sorts of things. Uh, the willingness to make adjustments regardless of whether you're a young player or an older player. Those things are, dema- we demand those things of our guys. Um, one thing I did tell our players, though, was when I was young in this game, I used to think, uh, do your job, keep your head down, everything will work out. Um, don't worry about anything else. The truth is, as I get older, that's not actually the case. Yes, those things do hold true, but I want more than that. I, I don't want to just say things will work out. Um, if you want something, you go take it, and you go grab it, and you work for it every day. Uh, and we want to win a World Series, and um, it, it's more direct right now than it was five years ago for me. All right, we are done here on Scoop Podcast episode 424. Always appreciate your listenership when you have so many options. Enjoy the Vikings game tonight. We'll dissect it. Some notes coming off the game tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, when I join Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Have a great week, everyone.